Hello everyone, welcome to then, now, whatever, the wrestling podcast, episode 11. I am your host, Handsome Duncan Joyce. We are near the tail end of the road to WrestleMania now, seeing as though with the brand split, both shows get go-home shows for WrestleMania. We figured we'd swallow them all down in one big gulp. But the question is, which is the bitterest pill to swallow? The blue pill? Or the red? We'll find out. With us covering two shows in one episode, we don't go into the same sort of detail regarding the build-up or the reasons behind the feuds. But if you're someone who is listening in the future, first of all, save me some of that moon money, why don't we? And secondly, if you're listening back and you're confused as to why some of these people are fighting, etc. You can head on over to ayatollahrockandroller.blogspot.com where you'll find the blog edition for this show with all our usual production notes and also fill you in a little bit in terms of the storylines and stuff as well. Both myself and Kyle have picked from each show a match that we wanted to highlight more extensively. It could be our favourite match. Or it could be an example of some of the big running themes of the show and things like that. So let's not beat around the bush anymore. Let's welcome once again my co-host, the hardest working Triple H Mark in show business, retail and education. It is handsome Kyle Cambry. So how are you doing Kyle? Yeah, I'm doing alright. The wrestling world is quite strange at the moment. It's quite exciting in some places. In other places it's back to the good old days of... Uh, <laughs> part-timers we're gonna ride through the highs and lows with these two shows here let's go in chronological order so we'll start with smackdown's final stop on the road to wrestlemania the elimination chamber on february 12th 2017 from the talking stick resort arena in phoenix arizona what a name that is i know man Fourteen thousand three hundred and sixty-seven in attendance yeah, and there's a new Elimination Chamber, so we'll just flash back to when we were recording our Royal Rumble episode and when we first discovered the new Chamber. Chamber, Chamber, Chamber. The new design of the Elimination Chamber. Oh yes, chamber. what did you make of this? I don't like it. No. Go back to the old one. And even the floor's wooden. What's that about? Yeah, you see it, yeah, when they're hanging it, it looks so bad when you can see the wood underneath, yeah. Keep the old elimination chamber. Yeah. With the circular pods and the, the circular chamber. <laughs> yeah, I felt like I was in the minority when I was like, there's so many angles now. Yeah. I will say the roof does look quite good. Yeah, I just don't like the modern take of it. No. It looks like they've, they've tried to design it so that it can work with... You know, the, the arenas have the big LCD screens on the roof yeah. and stuff now. But if you looked at the arena where they were in Phoenix last night, there weren't any screens to compete with. No. So it's all been out. Yeah, it could have been the old one. Yeah, I just prefer the rounded design. I think it looks a bit more modern. Yeah. I'd like them to create a new match. A bit like WCW had two rings together. Yeah, they have war games. Yeah. I'd like to see something like that, just something different out of the blue that they say, or even like a, a double cage match. It'd be nice to see, because that is one thing. The matches are just very reproduced, very samey. Yeah, the last time I can remember them like, properly playing around with a stipulation was, do you remember the championship scramble matches? Yeah, yeah. 
I don't know, last time they gave something like that a go and it didn't seem to stick, unfortunately. But Yeah, I'd like to see them come up with a new idea and give it a go, because I'm all, I'm all for them trying. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but yeah. at least you've had the balls to try it. We've seen tag teams in the Elimination Chamber now, but yeah. I'd have loved them to do an Elimination Chamber like in the style of war games so there's two teams and the teammates are in the pods yeah and you know they come out sequentially yeah that'd be quite cool you could do so like a survivor series elimination chamber yeah that'd be quite nice mm. so anybody at WWE if you're listening to this <laughs> Kyle sends his love to Triple H <laughs> yeah trips <laughs> tweet me at ka double z e two three I will tweet you back and we're back in the room (laughs) there was one match on the pre-show for this show it was Kurt Hawkins versus Mojo Rawley why can nobody pronounce Rawley I don't get it either Mojo Rawley it's a typical Michael Cole over pronunciation like they don't go Kurt Hawkins or welcome to Monday Night Rye Anyway, literally nothing of substance happened in this match until Hawkins hits a fireman carry flapjack thing and then they actually remember to hit some moves. Hawkins loses to a tilt world slam like a jobber in eight minutes and five seconds. Meh, move along. Yeah. <laughs> Way. <Well, hey. laughs> Did you see JBL trip up doing his two-step as Yes. Booker noticed it. He's like, oh my goodness, JBO just fell on his ass. And JBO's like, ha, 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 I love it, Booker. And then when they cut to him before the match, he's like, I will move to Houston just to run against you, Booker. We saw you having a laugh and stuff before. And, you know. The opening match of the actual show saw Becky Lynch take on Mickey James. Lots of yep. women's wrestling on this show that we'll get to. Did you spot that the German announcers missed their cue as well? Yes. What? He was that's, like, that's looking at him like, it's your go, it's your go, you, you go. Oh, no, the Elimination Chamber, road to WrestleMania, yeah. <laughs> Was it Michael Cole who had a little bit of a dig? To oh, JBL. At JBL. Yeah. Oh, yeah, wouldn't it be Michael Cole? God. Although, did you see when, spoilers, AJ confronted Shane? He went to gorilla position and Michael Cole was backstage at SmackDown. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh! Mind blown. Anyway, this match had really nice opening, I thought, with some of the exchanges. Little unbreakable lock-up that they did all the way to the out of the ring. And Mickey targeted the arm to try and stop Becky from doing the disarm her. Personally, I felt the action didn't quite escalate enough after Mickey had her spell in control. The finish saw Becky win with a quick roll-up after countering a disarm her attempt. Yeah, so Becky won in 11 minutes 40 seconds. Nice match, but I really think I set my expectations a bit too high for this match because you know, these yeah. are two really top-tier women's wrestlers and I was like, oh my God, this is an absolute dream match and it was just nice to watch. I felt Mickey was quite wooden. There was a, a sense of it kind of took her an extra second to get up. It took her an extra second to do a move. I don't know whether that that's ring rust. I don't know how long she'd fought before she came to WWE. or There just seemed to be something off with her resting. I mean, like you say, it, it was a good match to watch, but there just seemed to be something there that just didn't seem right. Yeah, I couldn't quite put my finger on it either. Um, I, th- I thought Mickey looked all right, really, personally. Like, you look at this, and you look at like when she wrestled Asuka in Toronto, 
Not quite on the same levels, really. Yeah. Oh, and fuck David Otunga for trying to insult our intelligence. Like, oh, Nicky James hasn't wrestled in seven years. Thank you, JBL, for calling him out on that. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, she wrestled everywhere, just not in the WWE. <laughs> she wrestled in Toronto in November. She wrestled in the Rumble pre-show in January. That's just WWE. I wonder who told him to say that or whether that was his... <laughs> I reckon that was off the bat and someone said to JBL if you fuck him up now yeah. you fuck you up <laughs> what a bad call that was speaking of women's storylines Carmelsworth were in the Skybox all show long and they cut to Carmella after all of the women's matches she didn't really have anything no, to I, add that was a stupid sketch that they've got going on eating the popcorn and oh god don't like that. I don't like the angle. Carmella's so much better than that. It's Ellsworth level, and they've brought Carmella down, I feel. The second match of the evening saw the dastardly heels Apollo Crews and Callisto teaming up against the valiant babyface Dolph Ziggler. Oh, wait, it's the other way around. Quick burst of TNW. As Maro says, Apollo Crews has more than paid his dues! Very good poetry. This is old Dolph being frustrated at not getting anywhere in his career, so I'll just do the same stuff I've always done. He sneak attacks Callisto while he's making his entrance, whacks him into the LCD screen. Breaks the LCD screen. Yeah, yeah, you see some of the little LEDs like fall off and stuff. Yeah. And the crowd really get into him for it. And then they go really, really silent really, really quickly when the match starts. I feel the fans are into Dolph now that he's gone heel. They've wanted him to go heel for so long because he was so stale as a, a face. I like the way that he wrestles, so mm. we just, we'll see where this heel run His character him. makes far less sense as a babyface than a yeah. heel. So he rather blandly controls this match and Apollo has some hope spots in between that are quite crisp. Callisto naturally returns to the match holding his back and he nearly lands on his head doing his handspring. Yeah. Then the finish sees Callisto spin kick Dolph into Apollo's spinning powerbomb thing. So Apollo and Callisto win this in 7 minutes 20. After the match, Ziggler attacks both babyfaces again and pilmanizes Apollo's ankle. Which gets yes, one more time and thank you Ziggler chance. That just shows how... How far down Apollo has gone. From being NXT, kind of one of the main guys that you kind of wanted to bring across. It just shows how you get lost in the pack. What annoyed me here was, this was the kind of angle that used to write off people for weeks and weeks and weeks. You know, oh, his ankle's completely shattered and stuff. Apollo, like, barely missed a week's TV. Mm-hmm. This is the very definition of meh for me. I don't know what you thought. No, I agree. The whole pay-per-view up to now, to be fair, was meh. There was no excitement for me at this point. I just kind of watching it for watching's sake. Speaking of meh, the third match of the evening is Tag Team Turmoil for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Basically, we don't know what the hell we're doing with our SmackDown Tag Division. Let's just put them all in the same match. Yeah. The opening pairing for this match was Rhino and Heath Slater taking on Bree Zongo, who looked like they walked off the set of a love boat. <laughs> it's always good to see their costumes. Yeah, they're great with their gimmick. Heath was looking to tag out at one point and he went, 
who wants Rhino? And Rhino's expression on his face is priced. It's like, me? <laughs> yeah, these two teams are pretty fun together in this opening stretch. Fandango stands his ground from the sunset flip and then rains parking tickets on Heath. Yeah. One of them, you can see it had L written on it. He should be called H Slider because H is an L. Dango and Tyler get eliminated when Rhino gores Fandango after a blind tag. And the next team out are the Vaughn Villains and their William Regal ripoff music. And as we learn in another podcast, one of the Guerrero family. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Heath hits a big crossbody to the outside on both of them and it gets He's Got Kids chance. I love if this gimmick is still over. Vaughn Villains get finished off in pretty quick fashion with a gore to gotch and an impaler DDT to English. Next team out are the Usos, and at some point, Maro confuses the Elimination Chamber with Hell in a Cell. It's not the first time he does it either. No. It's like he has it in his brain that it's, we're doing the Hell in a Cell. <laughs> Slater gets a hot tag, and then we get another instance where the blind tag costs someone the match. And Uso blind tags in, and super kicks Slater off an O'Connor roll to get the free. Out next are the champions, American Alpha. Naturally... Chad Gables were facing peril while Jason Jordan gets his hot tag. And once again, the blind tag causes elimination as Gable rolls Jey Uso off a victory roll to roll them up for free. The dastardly Usos then attack Alpha in the post-match. Gable gets walloped into the steps and Jordan eats a fragged splash. Seemingly leaving the match on a plate for the final team, the Ascension. They hit the fall of man and Gable has to save the fall. But Jordan hits an absolute beast of a belly-to-belly suplex. Any move that he does is just times a thousand. I love the the contact that he has. And it's so specific as well. His manoeuvres are just so good. Fat then sees Gable tag him. And while evading a sneak attack from Connor, they hit the Grand Amplitude to finish off the Ascension. And retain their championships. After 21 minutes and 10 seconds in total. Serviceable match. Slater and Rhino were fun, and Jordan's hot tags are always really, really good. Yeah. A lot of middle of the road stuff in between. I quite like the Usos as a heel. I think that works. They kind of got into the whole we'll boo them because they know Roman sort of thing. So I think turning them heel works in their favour. And they're, they're good heels anyway. The whole attire that they have kind of reminds me of a good crime time. Mmm. Yeah, I enjoyed the match. It was it was decent. Yeah, the Uso spell with Alpha was pretty good as well because that's where the sort of heat is. is yeah. They injured Chad that time and stuff. Our fourth match of the evening sees Nikki Bella taking on Natalia. Did you see when Natalia was coming out? This guy had this like Cena rag. No, <laughs> she ripped it out of his hands like no, no. I have to say, I've been mildly irritated at how much this feud focuses on Nikki being John Cena's girlfriend. Yeah. I don't know whether it's to kind of hint towards other things, Mm. but yeah, instead of focusing on their rivalry, it does seem to be like, we want you to see what's coming. Because I like Natalia, but I just don't feel that she's ever been given that opportunity. Like a female Dolph in in that sense. Mm. That she's she's always up there. She fights the top wrestlers. She never gets that that last final push. 
that was a big sticking point for her in this feud. Oh, Bella's get the spin-off and stuff. It should be me. I don't watch Total Divas or anything, but a spin-off with like her and Tyson and Tonio and yeah, that'd be quite cool. Uh, yeah, that'd be interesting to see. She annoyed me pretty quickly with her. You can't see me things. Yeah, it was okay the first time, but then she went to the well far too often, yeah. and it kind of distract- detracted from some pretty solid heel work she was doing all match she had Nikki in the rest hall and she tells the ref ask her yeah like Jericho-esque and then at one point she tells the ref shut up and the ref sasses her back <laughs> it's like stop grabbing the hair then it's great one thing I will say Nikki Bella's STF is way better than John Cena's yes I do agree with that it's yeah. fantastic because she like hooks the heel of the folded leg in her el- in the crook of her elbow. Yeah. It's awesome. Natty sold it really, really well as well. It's like, do you remember when Cena was with Umaga? Yeah. And he was like choking him with the ropes and like tongue was yeah. protruding and stuff. Yeah, really, really good stuff. Nikki's spine bust is really good as well. But then, screw you, get a double count out finish in 30 minutes, 40 seconds. I have quite a decent post-match brawl as well. Yeah, never quite got off the ground for me. No. It started to get there with Nikki's comeback, but just just couldn't get over the hill. No, I agree with that. Their false count anywhere match a couple of weeks later, much much better. Yeah, far less ponderous and a bit more intensity to it as well. But again, I feel that that's because they knew where they were going afterwards. Again, that's the only problem with this storyline is that they fell to oversight and not actually the focus of the match you're saying that they had an interview segment with Nikki later on in the show yeah they wound up brawling again and in the kerfuffle Maurice gets a bunch of makeup in her face what's going on there yeah yeah that's actually kind of impressive in a way so that means they've sort of tackled five women's division storylines here because you had Becky and Mickey Carmella using Ellsworth Nikki and Natty then you've got Nikki and Maurice and then you'll have the women's title match coming up as well. Yeah. With the way they have the tag team title match here tonight and with like six high card guys in one main event, mm-hmm. you need something to fill out the show. And yeah. it's really good that they've like fleshed out their women's division enough so that they're able to do that with, yeah. with the women. I think that they've got the talent to do that. It's totally different on Raw because you don't have as much diversity. So Raw, you just have your top girls, nothing else. Whereas SmackDown, you have your top girls, but you also have these others that are kind of, they're getting there. That's the difference. Might be a little bit of spoilers, but when Natty and Nikki had their rematch, it was quite pleasant to see Natalia get the win in the rivalry. A little bit unexpected. That puts her in place really well for to go for the title. Mm. While you know Nikki gets sidetracked with Maurice and the Miz and that whole personal storyline yeah. and stuff. Moving along to our fifth match of the evening, which is Kyle's pick to look at more in further depth. It sees Randy Orton taking on Luke Harper. The Wyatt family explodes. Yeah. Right. First things first. Luke Harper's music. Does not suit a baby face. No, it's very uh, sinister, isn't it? Mm. If they're going to move forward with Luke being this baby face, then they do need to maybe look at 
look at changing or even finding a track that you could use for both I mean you would never intentionally find a track for that but I mean like say Orton's track it doesn't matter babyface or heel that track just it's Randy Orton same with Triple H face or heel when that goes you know we know what's coming so it's, it's just finding that, that mix isn't it you're facing an uphill battle here pairing him with Orton because you, you kind of get the sense that long term Randy's in it for himself and he's going to yeah. you know break out of the family so he's still got some sort of popular support it's weird like you, you try to put sympathy on Harper for the fact that Orton's destroying the family and then you're also trying to put will the fans to hating Bray through Orton doing the same thing to the family yeah again it's just a, a weird way of WWE their storyline direction it doesn't make sense but they want us to believe it mm. in this match we get a drop kick from Harper it's always really impressive with his manoeuvrability but he gets cut off on the top rope takes a bad spill to the outside he gets thrown face first into the announce table and back suplex onto it as well Orton has a pretty long heat that he poses in between. It's, it's nothing all that special, but it is good at starting to build a groundswell of support for Harper. Yeah, fans were much more into Harper, sort of like two thirds in this match, than they were when his music hit. Harper comes back with a helo sent on, a big boot, and a catapult into the second rope. Randy punches away the first suicide dive, but not the second, and he goes tumbling all over the table. It's great. He then gets sent face first into the table and suplexed into the table. Orton fights back with a power slam on the floor, superplex, full Nelson slam, and a draping DDT. He looks set for the RKO, but Harper absolutely nails him with a pair of super kicks. I don't feel a super kick should be in Luke Harper's moveset. That, again, is a bit odd. Like his music when he comes out, a super kick just isn't Luke Harper. Maybe a super boot. So, like, his big boot, mm. and just make it much harder and more distinct. That might be the way. I don't know. Something when he does the super kick, it's a good super kick. Like, it, you know, he, he does it well and they, they sell it well, but it, I don't know. I just... It's not a Luke Harper move. As in, it's odd that a big man would... Yeah. It's like, I don't think you would ever see the big show do a super kick. I know the size is a little different, but... Mm. Or, say, Braun do a super kick. It doesn't make sense. Whereas if you did, like, a... I don't know, a knockout big boot, then I could, I could see Luke Harper selling that. We'll get to Braun. Yeah. <laughs> he does some uh, <laughs> interesting stuff. Orton tries to escape a uh, powerbomb with the RKO, but winds up getting powerbombed anywhere for another good near fall, only for Orton to block the discus lariat and hit the RKO to get the win in 17 minutes and 15 seconds. What did you make to this match? These two have got a connection that works really well. I could have watched that for a little longer. The way that they sold each other's moves, and I mean, Randy's always been good for stuff like that, but to see Luke sell the moves as well it, you know it worked really well it's just a shame knowing what comes next from the rivalry it's a shame 
about this match because if you're trying to get Luke over as a face and then Orton burns the family home down, then we're stuck again. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So then, like, where does this leave Luke? But, I mean, to be fair, I've got to say, I recommend you finding that SmackDown episode because I messaged Duncan to say that is one hell of a skit. It was brilliant. Randy in the home, speaking to Bray, and I just thought it was brilliant. And then when he blew up the the home right at the end, (laughs) and someone made a meme of Raw as the burning house and SmackDown as Randy Orton, (laughs) and it was just brilliant. And it just summed it up perfectly, that some of the storylines on SmackDown are much, much better. Following that moment, a good like half a dozen maybe a dozen profiles on our timeline changed yeah. it to all in front of the building <laughs> yeah great stuff great stuff we'll get to like the title situation a little bit more after the main event as for this match on its own it really really grew into a very nice match had some great near falls the way they traded the table spots was really neat too this is a really good showing for Harper it could be important for him you know, for his singles career. And again, we'll get to how that sort of progressed a little bit later on as well. Well, I was reading an interview the other day with Harper and he was saying that the reason that he wants to branch out of the Wyatts, kayfabe, is that when he's out and about, some fans come up to him and say, oh, you're one of the Wyatts. Uh... He's just one of the Wyatts. And he said that's one thing that really frustrates him. I can understand that. He wants to make a name for himself. So I, I, I can get why he wants to, you know, come out. He's a decent singles guy anyway, so we'll see where it goes. Was it the same interview where he explained the, uh, yeah, you know what that means? <laughs> yeah, which again made total sense. Yeah. It, it means something to someone anywhere, you know. It's <laughs> so deep. <laughs> yeah, it's very deep, but it's still, you know, it's cool. We then get to my pick of something to look in depth into. The semi-main event, match number six. The SmackDown Women's Championship match. Alexa Bliss defending against Naomi. There's a neat little touch in the opening of this match. Alexa like whips her hair into Naomi turning her back on her. Yeah. Gets rolled up right away. And, oh, Minga, she then throws her gum at Naomi. Blech. Yuck. Quite rightly, she pays for it with a bulldog into the second turnbuckle and a nice high kick, but she regains the advantage throwing Naomi off a top rope and countering another bulldog attempt and Naomi's face hit the top turnbuckle really, really violently. Yeah. Probably said this already in another episode, but Alexa's facial expressions here, for nearly like William Regal level, he, they're so perfect. She's got the facial expressions... She doesn't have the mouth, though, does she? There's a few times that she slipped up, and it's been very apparent. She on was talking smack. I think, yeah, go on. And she talks about she hadn't really watched American football, but she said that the wrong team won. Won the Super Bowl. And Daniel Bryan was like, "Wait a minute!" <laughs> <laughs> and she she went back and she's like, "Oh, I'm just tired. I'm just tired." It's like, yeah, but still. Mm. This is what follows when you have a semi-scripted show instead of a fully scripted show. (laughs) Alexa goes through Naomi's hair. She tangles it in the rope and stands on it. A really weird move. (laughs) 
Well, this is a long time David Ontunga actually said something useful on commentary. Wow. Because <laughs> he said, oh yeah, well, you know, Naomi threatened to snatch her board and stuff. Thanks, David. <laughs> so, yeah. It's really weird hearing people talk about snatching yeah. hair and stuff. So Jimmy Fallon on The Tonight Show has a skit called Do Not Play and he finds his like, really old, like crap records yeah and one of them is this last she had this song called I'm all snatch your weave off weave off weave off and it feels right after that like this whole oh, snatch yeah. you snatch your hair off and blah 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 it's <laughs> kind of really taken off that's really funny I'm all snatch your weave off weave off <laughs> oh man so they trade some quick roll-up attempts and they wind up knocking each other down. Naomi with a kick and Alexa with a forearm. Then Naomi does that spot again where she does that great balancing on the top rope from nearly getting thrown out. She starts to come back and hits a blockbuster and the rear view for near falls. I love the rear view. Um, no, it's not a finisher, sorry. Yeah, yeah. it's more of... Um, I think it's more of to appease the fans rather than anything. <laughs> the spring she gets in the step with a leap. Yeah, it's, it's like it's good as like a sudden thing. Like, Wah! do you reckon that's a move at home? <laughs> <laughs> Alexa does her like double stomp into the double moonsault stomp thing in reply, and hits a DDT. And when that doesn't get her the win, she has a paddy. Like AJ sort of paddy, weren't it? I was going to say, like, Christian-level Paddy. Well, yeah, Christian, yeah. Naomi then hits an amazing like, two-footed eat-defeat feet to the face. Yeah. But the split-legged moonsault misses. Alexa tries to roll up with her feet on the ropes, but the referee catches her. She then goes for Twisted Bliss, but Naomi gets the knees up and, at the second time of asking, hits the split-legged moonsault. And she gets the free to become the new champion in 8 minutes, 20 seconds. And then we get a really nice moment where she gets a, a small post-match interview and the fans shout, you deserve it to her, and it really starts some emotions in her. It's a really nice, feel-good moment here. I agree with the fans. She does deserve it. Yeah. She's been ace. This re-emergence of this new character has been brilliant. Really nice match. Right years ahead of that impromptu match they had at No Mercy. It was slightly sloppy in places, but it just had a great energy and they used the time really wisely and they kept the crowd invested. And yeah, I thought it was the best women's match tonight. I blame Alexa for the sloppiness. Because <laughs> Naomi's ace and I don't think Alexa is. But there we go. Yeah. But then moving forwards, we then learn that she got herself injured, which is a shame. I thought, is, is this an angle or something? Yeah. Oh, don't tell me this is real. This, no. But don't tell me was, your look is this bad. Then there was real tears. And then we kind of thought, okay. Yeah. Real shame. I know. The entire women's division is going to challenge Alexa. Yeah. For the title. And I think that's a bit like the tag team at Elimination Chamber. Because it wasn't expected for Naomi getting injured. I think it's just their way of saying, fuck this, we're not coming up with a storyline now. Yeah. We're just going to say all of you can be in it. Going back to the tag team match, actually, I did wonder, that's the kind of like get everyone on the show thing that they usually do for WrestleMania. So like, well, okay, how do you go about building a WrestleMania tag team match for the titles then? Mm. I'm guessing the long-term plan is 
just the Usos and American Alpha because that's where the long-term storyline's been with the injury angle and things. But You could always get a certain broken tag team to come. <laughs> How good would that be? I mean, oh my God. If TNA would let them. Hashtag God. fuck that owl. Yeah, I agree. What the fuck is that owl? <laughs> Seriously, I agree. Rebby, I'm on your side. Fuck that owl. They went to the effort of moving, removing it from the Impact logo, oh and then God. they went and got an actual physical fucking owl. <laughs> like, oh, let's name the anthem owl. What the fuck? If you're going to go about trying to develop some popular support with your long-term fan base. Do not go attacking legally the two top baby faces of a company that you're essentially forcing out. Yeah. I don't think they're going to come back now. Not no. a chance. Oh, hell no. So, yeah. Fuck you, TNA. <laughs> Fuck the owl. I loved it when Remy had that massive, yeah. massive Twitter storm. We get like weeks and weeks of radio silence from TNA and then we have to answer in two hours. What the fuck? Yeah. Well, it's still going on now. Oh, yeah. Like, every time I go on Twitter, there's, like, a new tweet from Revy. <laughs> of course, yeah. I'd like to see the Hardys. But, according to Matt, he keeps tweeting, saying that it is possible he could turn up at WrestleMania. Something to do with the contract with Ring of Honor, that he, they could turn up. Mm. I don't think they will, because I think he, they're just teasing the fans, but there's a few people that have said contractually... You know, it, it could happen, but I, I don't know. There's been lots of people in the past who have just signed sort of short-term deals with Ring of Honor to tie them over until yeah. they get to a WWE deal. But I, I did wonder whether the WWE would let them run with the broken thing. And when I saw that they signed with ROH, I thought, okay, maybe they're using it as like that as like a more permanent home base and they can still work independent circuits as well at the same time and stuff. Because their problem at the moment is they can't be seen on telly, can they? The broken characters are cited as intellectual property of Impact Wrestling. But they were allowed to wrestle. They wrestled at past two ROH supercards. Yeah, but just as as Matt and Jeff. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. But still, just Matt and Jeff would be fine for me. Mm -hmm. We'll see. Yeah, we'll have to see. Okay, so it's time for the main event. The Elimination Chamber match for the WWE Championship. With the participants being the Intercontinental Champion Dean Ambrose, Baron Corbin, The Miz, Bray Wyatt, and the two people starting this match, AJ Styles and the defending champion John Cena. Crowd loved that these two were starting. Yeah. We've gone back to having a guy out every five minutes, as opposed to four that it got reduced down to a few mm. years ago. Morrow again, with some slight poetry here, he calls Barry the brute who wants all the loot. Do you think he writes them himself? Probably. Some of them are ridiculous. I mean, it does. It kind of goes up there to Vince McMahon style, larger than life, my head's massive, I'm going to say this because I want to. They're pretty weird, these little rhymes that he has. <laughs> and I can just see him thinking, this is a good one, this is a good one, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this. And everyone else on commentary is like... <laughs> <laughs> Cena tells AJ, Dr. Tackle, 
So he does. Yeah, oh my word. There's so many spots in this match where you just you can hear Cena. He's the controller in this match. <laughs> AJ hits an Ushigoroshi so that Maro's guaranteed at least one orgasm this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the first man out of the pods is Dean Ambrose, who's also the first guy to utilise the chains and the outside of the chamber and things. Thankfully, the chain door withstands all the attacks yeah it's not on a hinge anymore it's like a sliding door yeah so it's not like the like the first elimination chamber match oh. it's not on a tiny little tiny little pin yeah <laughs> triple H goes walloping into it has to cling <laughs> onto it for his life the worst one was when you remember Undertaker fell out oh dear such a soft bump as well. He's I mean, no. like staggered back after this attacked him. Like, he just like disappeared. Like, <laughs> where's he going? <laughs> oh my god! Dean Ambrose does Pete Dunne's Xplex on the chamber floor. First of all, thank the Lord it's wood now. Yeah. And secondly, I don't think the fans appreciate in the arena that it's wood as well. Because their reaction to some of these spots really like, whoa, that happened. Yeah. So it really helped the atmosphere in the match. I don't think the it was very obvious from the crowd's perspective. Like for us, because we're kind of in the ring, mm. we can see exactly what everything is. So I'm guessing for a fan point of view, they're just thinking that it's steel like it, it always is. I think the afternoon of the show when like, initial pictures from the arena got tweeted out. It was very hard to tell from that distance mm. what it was made up of. So it'd probably be the same for the audience. Yeah. The other thing about this new chamber design, going to talk about visibility and stuff, because they've got Lexan in the corners all the way above the pods now as well. Yeah. So it's really helpful for camera shots and things like that. Yeah. Dean does his elbow off the pod as well, which gets holy shit chance. And they repeat the chain of German suplexes spot from No Mercy. The second man to come out of the pods is Bray Wyatt. Fancying he's got the whole world in his hands as he launches AJ Styles into the chains. AJ and Cena then randomly start climbing up the chains. This is another one where you can hear him say, start climbing, start climbing, start climbing. I don't know what the reason is to climb. There's no end game. No. (laughs) This doesn't make sense. So Cena gets knocked off and AJ winds up on the top of a pod with Dean. The result of that is a pretty neat Tower of Doom spot where Dean powerbombs Bray as he's like choke-tossing AJ off the top. Yeah. Looked really good. Next man out of their pod, it's Barry Corbs! And he runs wild on everyone, hitting the end of days to both AJ and John Cena and launching Dean Ambrose into the steel head first. Last man out is going to be The Miz. Barry's decimated everyone and he's waiting for him to come out. Miz is just refusing to come out. And in the distraction, Dean sneaks from behind and rolls up Barry for the free. So he's the first man out. It's a bit of a shitty way to go, that, isn't it? If I was Corbin and I was told, all right, you're the first man to go, fair enough. But the way that you go, it's a bit shitty, that. You've just annihilated everyone. You're ready for the Miz to come out and then you end up getting rolled up. I don't know, it's just... Watching it, I was a bit like, oh, come on. Mm. It always seems to be if you have a monster in a match, an elimination's either got to be really quick flash surprise roll-up, like a fluke, if you will, 
or everyone hits like six finishes on them or something. Yeah. Naturally, he's pissed. He wallops Dean through one of the Lexan pods and hits the end of days on him. <laughs> it's really great. Miz is just like, oh, he's like chomping at the bit. And he waits for the second that the door is closed to sprint in and pin Dean to eliminate him. Yeah. Great stuff. Again, setting up Dean and Baron's rivalry. Mm, yeah. Miz does his Daniel Bryan tribute at. He hits the school-crushing finale to Bray on the floor. But when he tries to crossbody Cena, he rolls through and hits the attitude adjustment to eliminate Miz. We then get a double five-knuckle shuffle. Cena and AJ trade kicking out of each other's finishes. And then Cena literally does a Superman routine and flies off a pod. Yeah. Crossbody to both AJ and Bray. It's not often you see Cena do moves like that, is it? No. Which, again, is, is good to see. AJ looked properly hurt from that. Mm. Like, I thought he'd like, bust a rib or something. You can kind of tell, can't you, when they're either putting on the wince or it's an actual wince. Mm. You can you can normally tell. But yeah, that was a, an actual wince. Definitely. <laughs> he then goes for the attitude adjustment on Bray, but it's countered into the Sister Abigail. And Bray eliminates Cena. And the crowd... Mark out for these two being the final two. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, guaranteed a new champion. AJ hits the Springboard 450 splash, but he only gets two because he's still hurt from his ribs, so he couldn't cover straight away. Then he goes for the phenomenal forearm, but Bray blocks it and turns it into the Sister Abigail to get the free and to win his first WWE Championship after 34 minutes and 20 seconds. Yeah, what did you make to this? I really enjoyed the match. I thought it was fantastic. The only thing that I'd say was Baron Corbin going out like he did. I thought that was a bit of a shit shit way of going. Yeah. It's difficult in the elimination chamber because you could hear everything Cena was saying. <laughs> and I, I get that you've always got a controller in the match, but I don't know... It spoiled it for me a little bit because I kind of heard, you know, I could hear him, right, you climb, right, you're next, you dodge this, you do. And I was like, well, I, I felt like I had to mute the show. Uh, but other than that, the actual talent that was on show was good. AJ, he is phenomenal. He's brilliant. Ever since he came into the company, he's never had a bad match, has he, you know, per se. And yeah, I just thought it was really good end to end stuff. When there was just Bray and AJ left, the the fans just went nuts. And then seeing Bray win, was great. Terrific match here. I think the new chamber was really good for breathing fresh life into this. Yeah. Because with with the floor being wood now, the way the space between the pods and the and the ring setup works, it really opens them up to all sorts of fresh sort of offense they can do around the chamber environment. Yeah. Everyone had really, really strong spells at some point in this match. AJ was the MVP. In there from start to finish. Yeah. Always had some sort of memorable spot with someone. Dean and Cena were also really good for the way they utilised the chamber and stuff as well. And, yeah, Bray getting his first title win. Nice to see. Really interesting situation. Another NXT. Alum with the title, yeah. I bet Triple H is so, so happy. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you, Vince. These are my guys. These are my guys. 
<laughs> Shame he wasn't around for his little Mark photo. No, I know. <laughs> Jeez. Although, a question for you. Go on. Not related to the show, but it affected the show. How do you feel about spoilers? And about, not spoilers of the show, but about knowing where storylines are going so you know the outcome before it happens. There's different websites that you can go on that, you know, have these rumours and what, what might happen, where do you think they're going. Mm. Dave Meltzer's one. To be fair to him, he's in the know, he knows. But fans that listen to that or watch YouTube videos of stuff like that, do you feel that they're getting the most out of watching a pay-per-view or not? Like, for me, I knew Bray was going to win because we knew for months. The direction. Yeah, yeah exactly. Do you think that affects it or not? It depends very much on the actual match content and stuff as well. So, like, I got the sense that, yeah, Orton and Bray is the long game. Yeah. But then when it got down to AJ and Bray, I was like, oh, maybe AJ could get it back and yeah. they extend it a bit so where they have Orton sort of use Bray to get to the title and then say, no, Sodji, you've got the title, I don't need you anymore. I think it does, in general, sort of harm the suspension of disbelief. But if the match is good enough, I think you can still get lost in it and yeah. the journey there and stuff. There are a few curveballs that they throw, but you still there's still that end game that people know about. I mean, we might as well discuss like curveballs and stuff. Orton basically refused to use his WrestleMania title shot yeah. out of loyalty to Bray. Yeah. They opened up the field, had a battle royal for a fresh number one contender for WrestleMania. Which Luke Harper won, by the way. Yes. <laughs> it was supposedly a draw between AJ and Luke. It bloody well wasn't. <laughs> no, no way. <laughs> but okay. That was super awkward because like, the storyline required them to like look at the footage over and over again, examine yeah. it in detail. Like, oh, I, I think this match is a draw, you know. We can't separate them. <laughs> oh, mate. But yeah, I just it was a question that I thought I'd ask you because... I'm guilty. I like to look at stuff like that. I like reading what Dave Meltzer says. Mm. You know, I like to know where the company's going. But does that affect a, a fan's point of view? Yeah. That was, yeah. At times, I look at, like, the more long-term ones. I'll try my damnedest, like, for month leading up to pay-per-view to, like, try and avoid, like, card spoilers or, like, oh, word is this is going to happen. Yeah. And betting odds as well. They're the new one. Yeah. It's so irritating. So like you're saying about curveballs, having Harper kind of in this mix, I was wondering like, well, what are they going to do here? Are they going to have Harper win outright and yeah. Orton go, oh, well, no, actually, if you could possibly take the title from Bray, I want to be in the match to help him or something. Yeah. yeah. But instead we got AJ win, then Orton was like, ha it's all part of my dastardly plan. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, then he beat AJ to reclaim his championship match at WrestleMania. Yeah. I tell you, in that match, yeah. the AJ Randy one, there was one spot that I absolutely marked hell out of. Yeah, go on. AJ is on the ring apron and he jumps up and Randy goes for the RKO and he just stays on the ring apron. Oh my God, yeah. that was amazing. Brilliant. Unbelievable. I was just like, holy shit! <laughs> Brilliant fake out. Yeah. I have to question the kayfabe a bit though. So, Orton, when he lands on his back doing an RKO, does it affect him? But yeah. when he lands on his back without someone to RKO, I'm like, oh my god, yeah. my back! <laughs> yeah, to be fair. But, 
Yeah, the, the actual the fake out was brilliant. I, I wasn't expecting that. I was yeah. like, oh, he's going to hack it. Oh no, he's not. What the hell? Yeah. But yeah, so back to the show itself. Overall, what were your thoughts on it? Who was a big standout performer for you here? Luke Harper. I've been guilty of not really paying attention to Luke Harper because he's just been, like he said in the interviews, just one of the white guys. But having a singles match with Randy, I kind of thought, you know what, I, I give him his due, check him out. And I, I thought he was fantastic. I thought he was really good. And yeah, you can say, you know, your standouts could be Bray or, or AJ, but we already know what these guys can do. So for me, my standout is Luke Harper because of what his potential can be. Yeah, awesome. And did you enjoy the show in general? Yeah, it didn't start well. Like we said before, it was a bit near. But then it, the ending was great. You know, the last three matches were fantastic. So I, maybe six, seven out of ten. Yeah, if I could go for about a seven or something myself. Like you're saying, the fact that it's sort of built to the best matches really, really helped. There's nothing more frustrating than you're having a show at some point in the undercard there's a really, really good match, but then the wheels just kind of fall off. Yeah. So once it's over, you kind of got this slightly bit of taste in your mouth. Yeah. I liked the opening match. There was a lot of middle of the road stuff in between on the undercard. Yeah. And it took the final three matches to really sort of haul this back up into a must-watch show. But I had fun in general watching this show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just prefer SmackDown on pay-per-view in general, actually. Yeah, the last few, they've got a good track record. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Okay, so that puts us one show down, one more to go. So it's time for halftime question time. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether you've seen on the network, they've done like a bit of a podcasty talk show where there's quite a lot of subjects that come up. And it was Heyman. Oh, and JBL. JBL. Yeah, and that ESPN guy. Yeah. And I quite liked that format. So, I was thinking we can do a mini one now for the half time. But then, after Mania, I was thinking we could do a show's worth of just us talking about different subjects mm. within wrestling. Okay. So, my three subjects I've got for you. Roman Reigns. For you, fan-wise... Are you one of the smarks or are you one of the guys that appreciate him and why? I enjoy his matches. Yeah. What frustrates me is the way they book him and some of the things they do with Roman don't kind of match up with their idea of where they want him to go sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, I really like him. We'll get into that a lot more when we go over Fastlane because there's a few points that come up in certain matches I want to talk in, in more detail. But... Yeah, I enjoy it. I don't have a problem with him, really. Okay. So then the second one is Vince McMahon's booking in recent pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. Do you think that he he's lost his magic touch a little bit? Do you think he's kind of got blinkers on? It always seems to be the case that you get to WrestleMania season and that's when Vince has more of a stranglehold on the product. Like, oh, WrestleMania is my baby. Yeah. The baby's mine. <laughs> now you see, in in general, with, with like the part timers coming in, I don't have a problem with them having a relatively prominent role. I just wish they wouldn't be the focus. Yeah. I don't mind them being used. I get that you know, if you only have them for special occasions, you, you need to hype them up for special occasions. But 
there shouldn't be this big like chasm between the regular guys and the part-time guys. Like I was saying when we were reviewing the Rumble, Goldberg, Brock, and Taker were untouchable when you know confronted with people from the regular roster. They could only one up each other, aside from when Roman got Taker out. Yeah. Okay. The last one. Out of everybody from the Invasion storyline, well, or before that, so anyone from ECW, WCW, who do you think is the best, your opinion, who was the best signing for WWE? So you don't have to still be with WWE, but in your opinion. I mean, 2001 and the Invasion time was really, really good for in-ring stuff. Yeah. Rob Van Dam was one of the most consistent people for in-ring work out of all the group. I don't think they appreciated quite what they had with him. You could see, like, he debuted in, like, July and he was in the championship picture by October. Yeah. So they could kind of tell that something was there. And there was loads of ECW guys that, when you look back on it, Rhino and Tajiri and lots of people like that were far more prominent than you kind of appreciate especially with the star power that was still in the company yeah but yeah in terms of a signing Rob Van Dam was like a breath of fresh air really yeah. cool that's my little half time questionnaire to oh, yeah do you want to turn it back around so okay so the, the Roman Reigns one is I'm like you I appreciate his stuff I disagree with the smarks completely I just think he gets booked wrong he should have won the Royal Rumble that we wanted him to win. Yeah. And not the Royal Rumble after. We'd have seen a whole different Roman Reigns if he'd have won that one. And yeah, his in-ring stuff is great. You know, it's great to see. I will be chanting for Roman as we go forward. Then, Vince is booking. So, I just feel that Vince has his favourites. And it's very clear to see. It's not like he does it on the sly. I'm not saying this just because I know Triple H is going to be the next guy, but I just feel that the pay-per-views that have leaked to say Triple H has had more creative control, they've got better ratings, the fans have been more involved, the storylines that you've got out of it have been much better. So I just feel, I don't know, I'm not asking Vince to just disappear, Mm. but I just think maybe it's time for him to go, do you know what, actually we'll, we'll level up the playing field a bit. And I think maybe it's time. And I think now we're seeing the NXT guys coming in, like Joe and, and Finn's just come back from injury. Maybe we're going to start to see this shift, which will be nice. Well, if you're bringing up NXT, I think the NXT product in general, and especially the takeovers show that Triple H seems to have a very good idea of knowing his audience yeah. and knowing how to appeal to people. Yeah. So if you have more control over the general product... Yeah. Be interested to see how much of that creeps in. And then for the best talent to come from outside. Yeah. Mine's actually two, but they come as a tag team. So mine's the Dudleys. Growing up, I was a big tag team fan. For me, it was always the New Age Outlaws just because of my allegiance to DX. But the Dudley boys, they were the guys that I, I always used to watch. Their rivalry that they had with E&C and the Hardys that was what got me stuck to the telly you know their their matches was just like what? and so to think that they weren't actually WWE property if that makes sense and they kind of brought them in to do that job 
you kind of felt, you know, this is a good signing. They've signed for our team and this is the way we want to go. Yeah, so for me, it would be Bubba and Devon. Awesome, um, yeah. As always, get in touch with us on Twitter. Suggest if there's anything you'd like to hear us discuss and stuff. Any questions at all, we shall answer you. Yeah. Yeah, including me being in Benador. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> was it like the TV show at all? Oh, it was worse than that. <laughs> worse? There's things that I don't ever want to see ever again and things that I cry myself to sleep at night. Like, believe this. If you're listening to this, believe me. We were walking up the hill and there was two lads and they were clearly very merry, very drunk. And one of them fell over. So the other one decided to not help him, decided to wee on him. So he was weeing on him. So he finishes having a wee decides to shout at him and as he shouts at him he slips on his own way and falls over. <laughs> <laughs> I stood on the other side of the road thinking what the fuck is going on here? And that is just one highlight of Benadorm. Jesus. <laughs> Don't go kids. Don't go. <laughs> if you would like to know any more stories just tweet us and uh, it's time we look at what could possibly be the Benny Dorm of wrestling shows. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Raw's last stop on the road to WrestleMania. It's WWE Fastlane 2017 on March the 5th from the Bradley Centre in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 15,785 in attendance. On the pre-show was a tag team match that pitted Rich Swan and Tazawa against V. Brian Kendrick and Noam Dar, accompanied by Alesha Fox. Did you have a chance to catch this? Not watch the pre-match. Okay, I definitely recommend it, because you know, some of your lads from 205 that you yeah. like, and it was quite fun in general. Kendrick and Dar like, kind of met up backstage, and <laughs> Dar was like, oh, I'm sure we'll be a quality team, mate, quality. <laughs> What's nice here as well is they're like two pairings with feuds, so it's not like when a cruiserweight match is typically on the pre-show. It's just, just put a bunch of lads out and hope for the best. Tozawa and Kendrick are having problems. Although Tozawa can actually speak English. Yeah. Like the interviews that he was doing with Austin Aries was just like... I love he's got that like Scott Steiner bark over. It's great. Yeah. There was an early commercial that kind of spoiled the flow a little bit again. Yeah. Vintage Swan had a good hot tag, took a nasty collision to the post. So then Tazawa got his own hot tag. They hit a nice double dive onto both lads and swamping Dar with the Phoenix Splash in 9 minutes 25 seconds. Quite nice. And the crowd were really into these guys, actually. That's nice to hear. Might as well get our purple patch in here really quickly. Is there anything from 205 Live you'd like to recommend? Tazawa and Kendrick, you've got going on. Rich Swan's kind of a bit in the mix. Don't know what, what's happening with him at the moment. We've just had one of our 205 lads go over to NXT. TJ was on NXT. With Shinsuke? Yeah. Yeah. So that's that was quite good, branching out that way. Yeah, I think that they're just moving, moving up to Mania. I think these next maybe two weeks, we'll see what they're going to do for 205. Because at the moment, there isn't really a concrete plan. There's something that they've hinted at, which we'll get yeah. to once we cover the title match on it's, this show. It's, it, well, it's not in stone, is it? So we, I don't think so. No. But we'll see. 
just a couple of other observations on the pre-show. There was a nice sign said, Jack Tunney's my president. <laughs> Jack Tunney's passed away yeah. a good few years, I'm afraid. And did you catch Booker when he spotted that Dasher was in the social media lounge? Mm. He asked where the dirty bird Tom Phillips was. Oh, God. I assume it's like Houston rhyming slang for perv or something. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. The main show itself, the opening contest, saw Samoa Joe take on Sami Zayn. This was a really cool match. I can't remember the last time Joe sort of opened up his playbook of offence quite like this. He had a nice rolling knee bar and a really awesome front leg sweep as well. Sami's the right kind of guy to pair him with, you know, in this sort of sympathetic situation against the monster. Yeah, at some point, he was looking like he was going to go for the muscle buster. And commentary actually referenced yeah, it. Yeah, they did, yeah. So I think that's the first time it's been acknowledged on the main roster. Mm. So yeah, he makes Sammy tap out to the Kikina Clutch. Graves has a great call saying he didn't even have time to tap out. So Joe wins in 9 minutes 45. Yeah, really enjoyed this. What do you make of it? Do you not think that any of the TNA guys that have come over, they have improved their moveset? Because I just feel like watching AJ, watching Samoa, watching Austin Aries, watching... Rude. Yeah, Rude. Their movesets seem to be more enjoyable and more... I don't know, there's something there that I kind of feel like I want to watch them than I did in TNA. I don't know. It could just be them being in the place with like they've got WWE sensibilities now. So like they they would have done all kinds of interesting stuff in the ring in TNA, but yeah, maybe like the timing of it or something it didn't really stand out. And but I'm just enjoying them as wrestlers more now than then. Like with Matt and Jeff, watching Matt and Jeff on TNA, I'd still en- enjoy them. I don't see their, their moveset any different. Whereas the flip side, I don't know. I just. It might just be me. I just I feel that there's a, a little improvement with regards to the match. Yeah, I mean, you know, Samoa's a really good, really good guy for his size, and like you said, it, it's nice to see Sammy in the like the the sorry child role of you know I'm, I'm getting bullied here. That finish is nice as well. I winced a bit knowing what happened with Seth oh, yeah. when he grabbed hold of me. I was like, ah, don't do that, don't do that. <laughs> But when we were saying about selling submissions, nice to see him, his mouth was bubbling and, mm. you know, he was completely out there. You know, overall, okay match. The second match of the night for the Raw Tag Team Championship, the club defending against Enzo and Cass. Carl Anderson was a standout guy in this match for me. At one point, he was doing, like, the Randy Orton headlock. Yeah. He was doing it better than Randy Orton, I thought. That's a skill to do someone's moveset better than them. Yeah. <laughs> he also does a really cool mid-air knee to intercept Enzo going for a tag. Cass gets a hot tag and he's getting his routine down to a pat pretty good as well. We then get a sneaky finish. Cal hits a knee lift. Enzo gets his foot on the rope for the cover, but Luke whoop, whips it off before the referee can see it. Yeah. So the club win in 8 minutes and 40 seconds to retain their championships. Any thoughts on this match? It was kind of your standard tag team match. There wasn't anything overly enjoyable and there wasn't anything that was kind of a bit shit. Mm. It was just kind of your, your average, I'm watching it while I'm drinking a beer 
which I actually was. Um, <laughs> while you watch it, are you watching someone get pissed on? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, bizarre, just so bizarre. Um, yeah, and you know they're going to WrestleMania as tag team champions, which is great. Mm. Yeah, pretty enjoyable. A few weeks ago. WWE put Enzo and Cass versus The Revival on their YouTube page and I watched that and shares a lot of similarities in terms of the spots here. So I kind of felt like if Enzo and Cass versus The Revival was like a Cadbury's Cream Egg, this match was like a Mondelez owned Cadbury's Cream Egg (laughs) (laughs) after they changed the recipe. Yeah, it kind of reminds you about past greatness, but you you know something's up. It's not quite the same. Yeah, I agree with that. Our third match sees Nia Jax and Sasha Banks fight each other in a Royal Rumble pre-show rematch. Nia looks so much more comfortable in her like yeah, monster role. Yeah, I yeah. agree with that. At points, her heat on Sasha, a little bit rudimentary, but she does fair few things that really impress me. She gets Sasha in a torture rack and does squats at the same time. Brilliant. And then at one point, she was cutting off one of Sasha's comebacks and she absolutely spiked her with a side spine buster. Yeah. Amazing impact there. Again, like putting it in the shadow of better matches, this is kind of like when Nia and Bailey fought in London. Yeah. Most of Sasha's hope spots were sneaking out of manoeuvres and turning them into submissions. The finish came with Sasha escaping a Samoa drop, hooking. Naya in a O'Connor roll and doing a Mayan bridge and getting the free with that roll up in 8 minutes and 15 seconds. I have to say I don't really buy into that roll up. No. Like from the position Sasha was in with someone of Naya's build. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see why Naya wouldn't be able to stand her ground personally. Yeah, it was a bit of a dodgy finish. I agree with what you're saying about Naya. She feels more comfortable. The only thing that I can't seem to believe in yet is her booking. She's essentially the monster of the women's division. But I I still would class Charlotte as the monster of the women's division. She's the woman to be. She's the one that will test all these wrestlers. So whether they either up the ante for Naya or she needs to get a bit more ruthless, I don't know. There's just a piece missing somewhere. But yeah, you know, the the match itself was all right. You know, there wasn't anything brilliant. But again, I think that's all you get with Nia Jax matches. It, you know, it's no fault on her. It's just, what can you do in the match when it's a David versus Goliath sort yeah. of thing? Yeah, I thought this was a little slow in places. It shows some decent improvements from their Rumble match, but I don't think they use the time quite as wisely as that. <sighs> Right, fuck this next segment. (laughs) Fuck this next segment. (laughs) Our fourth match saw Cesaro beat Jinder Mahal after 8 minutes 20 seconds with Swiss death uppercut. And then the fifth match was Big Show beating Handsome Rusev in 8 minutes 45 after three chokeslams in a row and the knockout punch to a supine Rusev in the corner. What was that? So on the pre-show, both Jinder and Handsome Rusev storming to Foley's office saying they want competition, they're not going to be a tag team anymore. Foley actually jokes, I could put you in the best of seven series and see who's best. And then we're just like, no! 
<laughs> yeah, that's a bad idea. <laughs> like, yeah. Mick Foley's just like this lovably incompetent guy at the minute. He just isn't working for me. No, I think his time's coming up, isn't it? Yeah. I wonder if... Our favourite Olympian. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I went and looked back at his Hall of Fame announcement video the other day. I, I got a bit emotional, actually. Like yeah. They flashed up the tweet and said, I'm coming home. It's like... I know some some superstars do it as a suck up, but it is always nice to see that the class the WWE is home. But yeah, so Foley's compromise is he's gonna find matches for both of them, and hence what happened. He said, "Okay, right, you both go to the ring at the same time. Squabble, decide who goes first. Jinder kind of knocked out Rusev, so Jinder went first. Cesaro turned up. Rusev sold Jinder's attack for the entirety of the Cesaro match." Nobody was chanting Rusev sleeping, were they? Is this something we reserve for Roman now? People kind of put this microscope up to Roman and they seem to have this double standard where there's booking ideas that irritate them when it happens to Roman and just pass without comment for everyone else. Yeah, totally agree. How do you make a Cesaro match boring, Kyle? Put Jinder Mahal. (laughs) Bang! (laughs) Bang! I literally can remember fuck all from that match. I didn't make any notes for it. I didn't re-watch it to make new notes because fuck that match. I didn't remember that match. Not too sure whether it's because of the alcohol or something <laughs> or what, but yeah, I... <laughs> it received the infamous CM Punk chant. Maybe some of these geniuses should think about chanting for Cesaro. Yeah. If they're dissatisfied at the position Cesaro's been put in. Yeah. No, anyone ever thought of that? Just throwing it out there to you guys. Instead of, you know, pining for the guy they fucked over before, like, oh, no, this is, like, exactly what happened with CM Punk. Boo, this is bullshit. Respect your talent and stuff. Let's chant for the guy that's not here anymore instead of the guy we can actually root and make a difference with. Yeah, I agree. To be fair, the next match with Rusev and Show... Show. It takes Cesaro out of out of it because Cesaro was in a match that he shouldn't really have been in mm. with Sean Rusev Rusev has got so much of a big fan base now mostly because of his tweets and his Instagram because he's hilarious and now with his haircut I don't think there can be any damage on Rusev so the big show Rusev match kind of is a clean slate in that sense mm. whereas the Cesaro Jinder Mahal match there could have been damage done because no one will give Big Show shit because of the, the form that he's in at the moment. And no one will give Rusev shit just because it's Rusev. So. Again, it wasn't a memorable match. No, all. no, no. The only thing I've noticed about it, did you hear Big Show called Rusev Sunshine at one point? Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. I'd have preferred it if you'd have had Rusev and Tonio wrestle 15 minutes. Yeah. Have a knockout seller match. Big Show squashes Jinder. Yeah. Okay, thank fuck. We have something I was actually looking forward to here. My pick to examine in depth a bit more. Match number six, the Cruiserweight Championship match. The king of the Cruiserweights, Neville, defending against the extraordinary gentleman, Jack Gallagher. I'm glad that you you said it right. (laughs) It's really heartwarming to see how over Jack Gallagher is. Yeah, with him being... One of the local lads Pretty as well. local, yeah. Manchester. 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 We kick off with some really great chain wrestling from Jack. 
He frustrates Neville with a corner headstand. Neville takes a breather out of frustration and Cole remarks that, oh, he'll be safe because Jack Gallagher's not a high flyer. Ah! <laughs> How um, you were so wrong! <laughs> I love the way Neville climbed the ropes in this match. He had, like, Gallagher Prime in the ring and he just got, like, creeped up and, like, really wary of him. Like a, like a spider, in a sense. Mm. Just very... Very sort of predatory. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so he scored with a big drop kick. Jack replies with a few drop kicks of his own and sends Neville to the outside and does a rolling suicide dive. But he pulled it off brilliantly. The connection that he got was fantastic. Ares was a bit harsh on it, called it the wounded duck plancher. <laughs> we then get a belly to back superplex by Jack Gallagher for a near fall. Mm. Oh, Lord. As his receipt, he takes a nasty snap German suplex by Neville, who gets a near fall with a Phoenix splash from the second rope. Jack replies with an absolutely whopper pair of headbutts. Oh my god. Very cracky uh, headbutts. Yeah, they reverberated so well. Yeah. Neville dodges the corner drop kick. Jack blocks the superplex and then hits another awesome headbutt from the ground level, jumping up to reach Neville, who's yeah. on the top rope. Nice. Jack then tries to hit a superplex, but gets dumped off the top rope, and Neville connects with the red arrow to retain in 12 minutes and 10 seconds. In an absolute corker of a match. Yeah. Really hard hitting. Like the way Jack bumped for Neville. Jack kind of stepped up to Neville with the physicality, so Neville had to revert back to his old high-flying style to get the win. The kind of match this show was crying out for. What do you think? The whole match was fantastic. Again, like you said, with the physicality-wise, showing that Jack could could get up there with Neville. The only thing that I didn't enjoy was the finish. The train was going at high speed, the match, and then it just went... There was no build, oh, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, and right. to finish. It just kind of finished. The match was fantastic. It just The finish was a bit, if you know what yeah. I mean. But yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Quick word of maybe where they might be going with the Cruiserweight division. On this show and on the pre-show, Austin Aries treated us to his package. Yeah. <laughs> it was The best one was on Raw, where he was like, it's not a good package, it's not a bad package, it's my package. And Cole was oh, trying so hard. <laughs> Austin Aries officially joins the 205 roster as an active wrestler. Yep. Hints towards a Neville versus Aries WrestleMania match. Yeah. We don't know yet because it's not been made official. We shall see. If they went with a one-on-one match, you'd wonder where they'd... There's a lot of guys to fit on the show. Yeah. They are officially doing the Andre Rudolph the Giant Memorial again. Maybe they'll fit some people in there. Mm. Do you think, going forward to Mania, if... Double A one would Neville stay on the cruiserweight division? The only reason that I say that is because we, you can tell week in week out Neville should not be on the cruiserweights. Not trying to diss anybody else, but he's too good for the cruiserweights. We can clearly see that. So if AA was to win, I think that then Neville should either go to SmackDown or to Raw. I just think that it's the right way to go because you couldn't just have Neville on there. Because then what happens if he then goes out the title picture? He's not going to feud with the lower cards, is he? Mm. It feels like there's predominantly more over 
baby faces and heels on 205. Yeah. And I think a lot of people feel this way. Austin Aries works much better as a heel than a baby face. So if you have him beat Neville and then kind of get a bit tyrannical with power and stuff, mm. you can turn him around as make him the top heel instead of Neville and move Neville up yeah. to other places maybe. I just think that's the right direction for Neville. Mm. The seventh match of the evening featured Roman Reigns taking on Braun! I'm sure everyone else noticed in this match, Roman was wearing sneakers. Yeah. For sneaking. I don't know whether he forgot his boots or something. Yeah, it was a bit weird. It was kind of appropriate in a way because he kind of had to outmanoeuvre Braun a fair bit in this match. So he put his Jordans on. <laughs> Jordans on. I liked that Simpsons picture. But I did. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. so funny. <laughs> exactly what came to mind. Brilliant. I like the way he bumped for Braun in this. Yeah. It's really cool to see Roman get chucked around and stuff. It's so strange. And Braun, the booking of him in this match is pretty spot on takes so much effort to get him off his feet we got to like halfway through the match and the first time he got off his feet was because Roman Simone dropped him yeah regular strikes and stuff didn't work in that going back to comparing people's moves Braun's big ending is much better than Big E's yeah I think I like the way it kind of like turns and stuff yeah we get an ace front power slam spot through the table but there's no DQ this is like those Attitude Era main events where Rock had just put people through a table. And, oh, just thought that was fun of it. It's yeah. grand, yeah. We weren't expecting the table to break, so it's, it's fine. It's just an accident. Yeah. Oh, well, it was normally the pay-per-view main event rule, wasn't it? That no rules applied. And you're just <laughs> like, what? So anything could get destroyed. And you're like, this is just a normal match. Yeah. And then they'd use chairs and you'd be like, when did this match change what, what the hell or when they wouldn't get counted out so that they could brawl in the <laughs> yeah. aisle and the referee follows them to try and encourage them back in the ring instead of trying to count them out yeah and you're just like wow the stipulation changed halfway through the match <laughs> the closing stretch of this match I loved that Braun withstood three Superman punches still stayed on his feet and then one strike just levelled Roman or your, your wanky punch, as you call it. <laughs> wanky punch. It looks like he's working his fist off. Why does he work his fist? <laughs> he's pretending it's a fucking gun. <laughs> you may as well ask Kenny Omega, why'd you point your two fingers like that? <laughs> Jesus wept. It, it frustrates me why people are like that. You know, it's that's the whole part of the wrestling... The, the dream like lexicon it's, like, yeah it's just that's what happens why does Sean tap his knee when he's doing a sweet chin why it's does just... the rock's elbow shake after before he does the people's elbow <laughs> oh mighty with Roman down Braun goes to the top rope and tries an absolutely unbelievable top rope splash can you imagine if he'd have hit that oh lord Roman would have gone through the ring <laughs> oh god yeah well thankfully the pool was empty and Roman hits his second spear of the match to get the win. And Braun his first ever loss in the WWE after 17 minutes and 13 seconds. What do you make to this? 
Well, there was a big pop for Roman that quite surprised me at the end. Oh, right. When he, he won. Because I was expecting, oh, there's going to be some booze here now, he's pinbrown. And there was quite a lot of cheers. Mm. There was still a few boos, but there was a lot more cheer than I expected. Yeah, I enjoyed the match. It's difficult when you've got two big guys fighting. We found this in our other podcasts that we've done. When two big guys fight, there is only so much you can do. But they kind of found different ways of bringing other moves into it, which was nice to see. And again, Roman showing that he can adapt to the big guys, he can adapt to the little guys. And I just think, you know, fuck you, Smarks. We don't (laughs) like Roman. Roman's cool. Yeah. Yeah, pretty fun match. Seeing the dynamic change with Roman, him trying to be the more manoeuvrable guy, him getting thrown around. Yeah. Really fun to see him work around that. Didn't quite live up to all of their excellent brawling segments on the Raws leading up to this. Yeah. I'd have liked to have seen them in a match where the rules go completely out of a window and they can do all sorts of more things. Yeah. But yeah, it was so really, really, really watchable. Naturally, Roman is the one to go over here considering who he's got on the horizon. Yeah. But we'll talk a bit more after this match here. Semi-main event for the Raw Women's Championship. See the champion Bailey take on Charlotte Flair. Bailey, of course, who won the championship on Raw a few weeks prior. She, in a backstage segment, kind of dared Charlotte to leave Dana behind. And sure enough, Dana comes out to the ramp and Charlotte goes, go away. Yeah. This match really doesn't have the fluidity of their uh, matches at the Rumble or on Raw. There was at one point they were trying to do like a tr- Bailey's Tree of Well Elbow. Completely fluffed it. Yeah, there was a few spots in this match that felt a little rushed. Yeah, wee bit clunky. What I really liked in this match was Charlotte and the way she was selling this desperation. At, you know, she's got this perception that Bailey's just a fan and yet she still can't put her away. Yeah. Like there's one point she did her moonsault and then she followed it up immediately with like a rolling senton and she still couldn't beat Bailey. Yeah. And her reactions got like more and more desperate and stuff. Charlotte goes for a moonsault to the outside and for some reason that brings out Sasha Banks. As you do. Just cause she's able to spot that Charlotte's using the tights on the cradle. So the referee calls off a fall. And in the distraction, Bailey hits the Bailey to Bailey. And retains her title in 16 minutes and 55 seconds. Cole just kind of goes, oh yeah, by the way, that's the first time Charlotte's lost on pay-per-view. Yeah, yeah, he kind of throws that away, doesn't he? Mm. Shocked me, actually. I mm. didn't think Charlotte was going to win. Because I thought that she'd lose the streak at Mania. That was what I was going to ask you as well. So this show, it felt like there was a fair few booking points that kind of felt a bit fast-tracked yeah. from what you saved to WrestleMania. I was expecting Charlotte to take her first loss at WrestleMania. I was really disappointed with the lack of gravitas it kind of had in this match. Yeah, I think it kind of took away from the match a fair bit. Mm. Braun had his first loss on this show. I'd have thought that would have been something to save at Mania. Yeah. I'd have wanted Roman and Braun as a WrestleMania match. Yeah, I totally agree. So, going forward, though, for the women, where do we go? It seems to be it's Bailey, Charlotte and Sasha in a triple threat. Mm. So, the big plot point of this match was perhaps Sasha's helping out Bailey because she sees her 
as more of an easy target than Charlotte, who she's not been able to dispose of on pay-per-view. And maybe that will lead into a Sasha heel turn. Potentially, yeah. But as for the match itself, yeah, a bit much of a step down from their previous matches. Yeah, it was okay. Yeah. Go watch their Raw match where Bailey won the title. Okay, it's time for our main event. Kyle's choice to examine in depth because he's got to go to work in about half an hour. <laughs> oh, God. And we can get so in depth into this match. Oh, yeah. Because this match is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> the Universal Championship is on the line. Kevin Owens, the champion, Sans' best friend, defending against Goldberg. There was a sign in the crowd. I spotted it in the women's title match. I'm not sure if it came up again here. It says, Owens, no sell like Regal. <laughs> That's quite quite good. Cole points out Goldberg's never lost a one-on-one WWE pay-per-view match. Right. They both get announced and Owens stalls and stalls and stalls again. And the bell hasn't even rung. And the, the more he stalls, the more you think that there's something going on here. <laughs> He's finally like, oh, come on, come on, I want you. Ring the bell, ring the bell. And Jericho's music hits. And Jericho walks out on the ramp. And at the same time, the bell goes. <laughs> the bell rings. What an appropriate time to ring the bell when there's someone who could possibly interrupt this match. Spear, Jackhammer, new champion... Goldberg wins his first Universal title in 22 seconds. I rate this match (laughs) of 10. What the fuck? Hashtag tops off for Goldberg. What even was the ending? What (sighs) what even? The good news is this means we're getting Jericho and Owens at WrestleMania. Yes, that's the good news. The bad news... (laughs) Is we're getting Brock and Goldberg for the title at WrestleMania. What a load of shit. What a load of shit. That's terrible. Yeah. I mean, how can Vince be happy with that? Other than this money just coming all over him. Yeah, yeah. I just... No, 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 no. Surely you're going to get more money's worth if fans want the matches to happen. I wasn't screaming for this match to happen again. No. If I'm honest. The Raw after this, when Goldberg was celebrating and Brock confronted him, Brock F5'd Goldberg. It was the first bump he took in this entire run he's had. First time anyone's kind of downed him. It's pathetic, really, isn't it? It is pathetic. So I saw someone on Twitter work through the logic that, well, if Goldberg can beat Brock in a minute and a half... You know, it's natural that he'd be able to dispose of Owens in in a quicker time as well. Like, I kind of follow that, but still. This is ludicrous for me because, essentially, Brock has become the number one contender for the title by losing a match in 90 seconds. That's the whole reason they're feuding. That's the whole reason they're fighting. He wants revenge for getting knocked out of the Rumble so easily by losing in a minute and a half at Survivor Series. Yeah. This is what I was saying in our halftime talk. I don't mind them having part-time talent come in and help boost the show. They should not be the absolute focus of the show. The fact that this is the championship match, I don't care how much credibility 
someone of Goldberg's stature for his prior accomplishments is supposedly going to bring to the championship. I don't care. Yeah. He wrestles 20-second matches. I agree. He looked far better in the Rumble. Mm. He opened up some offence a bit. So you can imagine then in Benidorm, in a 24-hour session, I've watched Bellew beat Hay. Yeah. I've watched UFC. I've watched this pile of shit. <laughs> and I've been trying to make sure everyone watches it. You know, hey, you go watch it. Championship match, yeah. Everyone just went, what the fuck is <laughs> that? And I'm trying to defend the product. And I can't defend the product when that happens. Aye. How can I get other fans on board if that happens, if that is my example? <sighs> yeah, it's just bollocks. <laughs> Vince, check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> In this cold, hard world, <laughs> you check yourself. Very quickly, I glossed over New Day came out with her ice cream as well. Yeah, what was that about? I think they thought, they heard CM Punk chants like, Alright, damn it, here's your ice cream! Mick Foley warned Samoa Joe off interfering in the title match. Couldn't give a fuck about Sasha interfering in the women's title match. No, but we all know Mick likes women, so, you know. (laughs) And Owens had an interview in his suit. I didn't like his suit in this interview. It was was far too officey. I liked it when he was all black. It was very regimented. Yeah. Yeah. It was much better. All black, no tie, just just his collar and... Yeah. Overall thoughts on this show? Fuck this shit. (laughs) Was there anybody whose efforts sort of stood out for you and you appreciated? (laughs) Good joke. Um... (laughs) I said efforts. Okay, efforts. (laughs) Goldberg made no efforts. Jericho was the highlight of the show. (laughs) To be fair, I enjoyed Roman and Braun. I thought that was a really good match. Mm. It just really frustrates me that people get on Roman's back. I'd probably say that was my highlight match. And I like the club. I really do. I've got a soft spot for the club. They're really starting to get into their groove a bit. When they first came over, I thought, oh, they're going to get wasted here. They, you know, little shit bookings and here and there. But now we're getting to see what the club's all about. So that's good. And yeah, for the for the rest of the show, I'm just a massive fuck you. <laughs> Just, what was that? Absolutely. Can we rename it Fuck Lane? (laughs) That's what it's called. Fuck Lane. I love the Cruiserweight title match. I love Joe's match. I really enjoyed Roman and Braun knocking each other about. This is what I was on about with, like, compared to Elimination Chamber. The ending, the closing stretch of the evening took away my enjoyment of the show as well as that absolute awful vacuum where Jinder and Rusev were just killing time I was kind of disappointed in the women's matches on this show unlike in the chamber where all three were really quite solid and the Smackdown title match was really tremendous fun in this show where you've got the guy in your main event's not going to take a bump just going to do his moves and fuck off. Mm. It really needed like Bailey and Charlotte to step up and they couldn't live up to their prior efforts. Yeah. 
it shows a load of crap. So looking at things head to head. <laughs> Do we even have to look at things head to head? Which side of the coin are you more excited about in the build-up to WrestleMania? Smackdown overall? Do, do, uh, I, have a, I have an option. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> Smackdown? Yeah. It's, it's, it has to be. What's to look, to look forward to on Raw? Really? Seth and Triple H? Possibly. But that's yeah. in doubt because of the injury. Not like that's it. Jericho and Owens. Name the Smackdown ones, though. Cena and Miz yeah. with Marius in the ring for the first time in Donkey's years yeah. as well. That'd be interesting to see. They're totally doing a mixed tag just so Nikki can beat Maurice and Miz can get protected. Yeah. So no harm's done when Cena goes away after Mania. Still, interesting direction to the promos and stuff in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought. yeah. AJ and Shane. Yeah. Bit of a step down for AJ in terms of his position but I'd never bet against AJ Styles in terms of bringing up a quality match, yeah. even if it is with Shane. And Well, the thing that you know that Shane's going to bring is 110%. Even, you know, he's not a trained wrestler, but you know that he's going to give 110%, so it's going to be, yeah. the effort will be there. Wyatt and Orton. Yeah. And, what am I missing here? Ambrose and Baron. Yep. And also, all of the girls fighting in one match. All of the women, yeah. <laughs> so, you, you know, you see the weights there. Mm. But, I mean, for me, Triple H and Seth, hopefully, if that happens, <laughs> that's my match. Triple H! If he can recover from his injuries, all right, Taker and Roman. It's very intriguing. Yeah. Although, it's definitely going to do Roman more harm than good as a babyface. See how that pans out. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. So, that'll wrap everything up for this episode. Remember, the easiest place to keep a track of the podcast is to follow us on Twitter at TNWPodcast. You can also like our Facebook page. You'll see on both of our social media pages we have new artwork, which is courtesy of at Gaz Illustrates on Twitter. Many thanks to him once again for that. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes if you really, really love the show and feel like giving it a five-star review. We'd be tremendously grateful for that. We love you till the end of time. We are also on Stitcher Radio and, of course, our SoundCloud page, Search for TNW Podcast, where you'll also find a playlist of all of our past episodes so far, so it's probably the easiest place to catch up with us if you're new and coming on board. And you'll also find my guest appearances on the Rory's Nitro podcast. Lee's been doing some tremendous stuff with his guest hosts lately, and I'm thrilled to say I'm going to be one of them again. So keep your ears open. I'll be back on the Rory's Nitro podcast in the very near future, discussing TNA versus WWE in 2010 once again. And of course, eventually, you can head over to ayatollahrockandroller.blogspot.com where you'll find special blog editions of these episodes with production notes and visual references to help enhance the TNW experience. Until next time, then. Thank you for listening. It's a goodbye from Kyle. Thank you for listening. Bye. And it's a goodbye from me. I'll catch you down the road. Thanks for coming to my range. <laughs> <laughs>